Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. and welcome to episode 76 of the Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And something that I find to be true for anyone who has a complicated relationship with food and or negative body image is this common theme of shame. There's so much shame. And when there's shame, there's usually also secrets and feelings like I have to hide it. Something I know to be true about shame is it's diametrically opposed to responsibility. I feel like a lot of people think, well, it's good that I'm feeling shamed for these behaviors because it's going to make me stop. And yeah, no, it doesn't. We certainly know shame never promotes health. And the letter we have from uh, someone today describes her complicated relationship with food And she's done so much over the years to try to heal her body image and her relationship with food, yet she finds herself binging and binging in secret and is wondering if she has to tell anyone, you know, does it, is it something that she has to disclose to her partner? I can't wait to dive in. And I have a guest that's going to help us answer and maybe give this person some solutions. My hope for you is 
as you're listening to this person's situation and experiences, and as we discuss some possible solutions, that you'll find some nuggets for yourself as well. Before we get to this episode's letter, I want to say a very special thank you to our sponsor for today. It is the Pursuing Private Practice Masterclass eCourse from Jennifer McGurk. I started my own private practice back in January of 2005, and I I'm so happy I made that decision. It was a hard decision, but it was one of the best decisions I ever made. But something that was horrible about it is I didn't know what I was doing and I was spinning my wheels and there's so many details. I wish I had Jennifer McGurk in my life at that point, but I didn't. But you do now. And if you sign up for her e-course, you get a 28-page workbook and modules And if you're a dietitian, you also can get continuing education. It's a fabulous course. I've had a a chance to take a peek at it. And man, I'm really bummed that I didn't have it. But again, you can learn from my mistakes and really talk to the experts. So you can go ahead and see those clients, help people heal their relationship with food instead of spending time on taxes and um, how to set up your business and things like that that are are just dreadfully boring to, to people like me. As I, as I say that, I'm like, there could be someone listening that loves that stuff, which I'm so glad for you. <laughs> so anyway, if you would like to find out more about the Pursuing Private Practice Masterclass e-course, go to my website, juliedillonrd.com forward slash private practice masterclass. And when you go there, be sure to use a secret code. It's just BOSS, B-O-S-S at checkout and you get 10% off. So juliedillonrd.com slash private practice practice masterclass, and that'll get you what you need in order to start that business and start taking over the world. All right, let's go ahead and get to this episode's letter. Dear Food, as the youngest of three daughters, I was born with a larger frame than both of my older sisters and began to compare myself to them at a very early age. They were in Broadway shows as children. One of my earliest memories is my mother speaking to their agent and the agent saying that I couldn't audition for a role because I was already too big. I was only five or six and I had already learned that my body was wrong. I loved to sing and perform, but I learned that being even a slightly bigger person would prevent me from doing the things that I wanted to do. Looking back, I was a normal-sized little kid. I just wasn't petite like my sisters. From then on, I was consumed with what my body looked like and how many calories of you I put in my mouth. I thought I couldn't be over a certain size if I ever wanted to be a performer. And all throughout high school, I stuck to it through restriction and exercise. I read magazines about how many calories a healthy snack was and would be so stressed out if there was nothing around the house that fit the requirements. I was a dancer and an athlete and therefore was always hungry, but I tried my best not to deviate from my self-imposed eating schedule because I was worried it would make me gain weight. There also just didn't seem to be enough of you around my house. I would come home from school starving and scour my cabinets, trying to find something to eat. But for some reason, my mom never bought enough of you to snack on. So I would end up looking around my kitchen for hours before I could find an acceptable snack if I found one at all. At dinner, my mom never prepared enough of you for me to feel satisfied. I would often want seconds because of how much exercise I was doing and how little snacking was going on. But it was always discouraged because we had to save food for my dad for when he got home from work. 
After my sisters left home for college, I felt abandoned and extremely lonely, and I comforted myself with secret eating, often with things like cake frosting since there was no normal snacks in the house. I would steal frosting from my kitchen and hide it under my bed, savoring the sickeningly sweet scoops one by one until the container was empty. I couldn't eat enough at dinner for fear of judgment from my parents, and also for the sheer fact that there was not enough to go around for me to feel satisfied. I didn't want to be the fat daughter, the sister that ended up looking different than the others, ugly and overweight. I've spoken to my middle sister about this recently, who has her own issues with you from our own home situation. We think our mom was always trying to lose weight and was worried that if she made enough of you, she would eat too much of you too. Even through all this, I knew my family loved me and cared about me. They never intentionally did anything to make me feel bad about myself, and they never directly commented on my weight. But because of my home situation, every time I was at a friend's house or went out to dinner, I would go nuts with you. I would eat as much as I possibly could at restaurants, knowing that once I was back at my normal routine, I was bound to be perpetually hungry, never satisfied with the amount that was acceptable to eat at family meals. When I moved away from home to attend college for voice performance, my family wasn't there watching over my shoulder and all hell broke loose. I was free to binge as much as I wanted or anything I wanted. I drank way too much and I ate way too much. When I ate too much, I would restrict and then feel guilty for every single meal I ate. After college, I was severely depressed and had terrible anxiety. In secret, I used you as a way to numb my feelings, eating until I felt sick. But although I had gained a significant amount of weight since high school, I was still within a normal weight range, so it was really easy to hide from everyone around me. In the summer of 2011, I decided that it was time for me to be thin and get serious about my career as a performer. I joined X weight loss plan and lost a bunch of weight. Everyone thought I looked great. I even got a lead in a local musical, but I was completely miserable. I was binge drinking, skipping meals, and then eating you in secret again. Eventually, I gained all the weight back and more. I knew my family was disappointed in me. I stopped getting compliments about how I looked and slowly stopped pursuing a career in music. My anxiety was so severe that my friends and family intervened out of concern for my well-being. I started going to a wonderful therapist who helped me in more ways than I can describe. I stopped binge drinking, got out of an emotionally abusive relationship, secured a full-time job, moved to New York City, and began to audition again. I was really starting my life and felt amazing. However, through all of this, I was still binging and so ashamed. I never told anyone about it. I don't remember exactly what my therapist and I were talking about at the time, but I must have said something that put up a red flag because during one session, she asked me if I was binge eating. I replied, no, which was a complete and utter lie. I had never lied to her before about anything, but I wasn't ready to face my disordered eating yet. Once my life was on track, I met a wonderful, caring man who is a musician just like me and who I'm still with now, and we began a long-distance relationship. It wasn't long before he revealed to me that he has his own history of an eating disorder. Early in our relationship, he casually told me that he used to have anorexia and bulimia. He laughed it off and said that he was better now. I was so worried about him. I couldn't bear to think that someone I was falling in love with could have been hurting so badly and was terrified that he would relapse. I soon realized that he was not out of his disordered eating. 
Since we were dating long distance, we would visit each other for days at a time. At mealtimes, he would make excuses as to why he wasn't hungry, or he would eat very little. I would order food after he was said he wasn't hungry, and then he would end up eating half my food, clearly showing signs that he was hungry and ignoring his hunger, hunger signals. That left me starving, but I was so worried about being judged in this new relationship that I wouldn't dare eat more than he did at meals. When he would leave, I would binge eat you. It was a cycle that lasted for over two years. The last time I had a streak of bad binge eating was last summer, when my boyfriend was on tour with his band. It was just like my childhood when my sister went to college. I was triggered by feelings of abandonment and loneliness. When he came back, I felt disgusting and was worried he would somehow know what I had been doing while he was gone. After last summer's binge eating episodes, I knew I had to figure this out. The rest of my life was going so well. I couldn't let my obsession with you food hold me back from happiness. I knew what I was doing with you was fucked up, but because I wasn't restricting you, I didn't think it was an eating disorder. I started doing a lot of research on what my problems with you could be and categorized as. And by some sort of miracle, I stumbled upon an article by Linda Bacon about the biggest loser study last summer. Linda Bacon's article and what came after completely changed my life for the better. I learned that my dieting and my childhood struggles with you at home led to my binging. I learned that there are so many people who have similar problems with you. I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. And there are smart people who have figured out a science-based solution to disordered eating. And I learned that I had a real eating disorder. And just because it wasn't anorexia or bulimia, it doesn't mean that it wasn't real. Don't get me wrong, food. We aren't anywhere close to being best buds yet. I think right now we're on the front of my list. Even though I'm not binging, I still think about you all day long. And I'm anxious that if I eat that wrong food, that I will overeat and it will lead to a binge. I struggle to not overeat at almost every meal. When I'm halfway through eating a meal, I already start to get anxious that once there is no more left, I will still be hungry, even if I'm already full. I still want to eat past my fullness levels at restaurants. When I'm at home alone for meals, I agonize about what I'm going to eat. If I make a super tasty meal, what if I eat too much of it while my boyfriend is out and then I feel sick? Sometimes I eat more than I would normally eat when he is out of the house just because I'm alone. I allow myself to eat everything I want to. No foods are technically off limits, but I feel guilty when I indulge in certain delicious versions of you that wouldn't be considered quote unquote healthy, like desserts and pasta, which was something I used to binge a lot on before. I'm getting significantly better with stopping when I have had enough of you, or at least when I'm only a little bit over my fullness level. But the fear of going over that level is a huge source of anxiety. I am also not happy about my current size. It is so much larger than it used to be, and I'm really worried that my weight hasn't plateaued, and I'm just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. I'm privileged in that even though I am firmly plus size now, I can still shop at most stores and have what society would consider an acceptable, quote-unquote, curvy shape. Because of this, I don't experience weight stigma, and I have trouble identifying with the fat-positive community because in my mind, I still picture myself as a teenager, dancer, cheerleader, super fit, able to wear whatever I wanted without fear of judgment. I wish I was like the amazing fat-positive activists who are unashamed of their bodies. They, are, they wear whatever they want and don't try to hide certain parts of themselves. I'm still dressing to hide the fact that I'm now a fat person. I have mentioned certain ideas to my boyfriend that I thought he would be receptive to. 
such as the idea that restriction leads to binging and that a person's body size does not automatically dictate how healthy they are. And he seems to get it, but he's definitely still stuck in the diet mentality. He talks about his friend who's bigger, doesn't exercise, and eats a lot of quote-unquote unhealthy versions of you in a very negative way. His friend constantly talks about needing to lose weight, and he encourages it. He tries to get him to stop eating sugar, cut out this or that, and then complains to me that he doesn't understand why his friend can't just get his shit together around you. I have explained to him that restriction is counterproductive. Pursuing weight loss is not healthy, and he should just leave his friend alone because no one can make positive choices when they are in constant state of self-criticism. He doesn't think of me as being in the same unhealthy category as his fat friend and has never criticized my body or eating habits. But the way he talks about his fat friend inadvertently makes me feel bad about myself. It is so obvious that a lot of his behaviors triggers my issues around you food, but I cannot bring myself to talk to him about it. It is my deep, dark secret, something so private I can never tell him. I don't want him to picture me holed up in our apartment eating myself sick. I know he thinks I'm beautiful. He tells me all the time, but I'd rather he picture me as someone who is healthy and naturally curvy, the person who I think I'm supposed to be, not someone who's lazy and out of control around you, which is basically how I think of myself right now. When he mentions his eating disorder in the past, if he does at all, he jokes about it. I'm worried he still thinks my issues with you are not severe enough in comparison to his and be dismissive of them. I know that all of this is my shit food. It's not his problem or responsibility to solve any of this for me, but I don't want to keep secrets from him. If I decide to go to a dietitian, I want to explain my reasoning behind it. But how can I explain this to him when he has his own more severely disordered relationship with you? Should I just not tell him? Sincerely, in love, and triggered. Hey, love and triggered. Thank you so much for your note detailing your complicated relationship with food. And thank you for letting me have a a part of your journey towards food peace. I really hope I can help. And from your letter, I heard so much shame. And I know that's something that we hear so often from these letters is the shame. And I know you have a unique experience, but the one thing that you share with so many other people who are also on their journey towards food peace is this shameful experience. I want to call a friend and colleague. Her name is Antonia Hartley. And she is someone that I think is going to have some really important insight for you as you make these next steps. Let's go ahead and give her a call. Hey, Tony. It's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? I'm so well. How are you? I am doing very well myself. I'm so excited to talk to you. I know you're not very far away from me, but I feel like I get to never, ever, ever see you. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to chat with me about this letter. Definitely. And we should remedy that. Let's hang out. Yes, we should. (laughs) Well, so did you get a chance to read this letter? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, This letter is everything. 
It is everything. everything. You know, it's it's a everything, and you know, some of the parts I felt were very particular to this person, but so many of the parts I was like, oh my gosh, I've talked to this person many, 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 many times. Like this is there's so many things that were familiar about it too. Did you get that too? Oh my gosh, totally. I was like, oh my gosh, maybe this is one of my old clients who like left me and went to Julie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many similarities. And I and I think that's something that that's something I really want any listener to appreciate is that it feels so isolating in the eating disorder experience. Yet like there are millions of people who are going through the exact same thing. But I feel like that's just the messed up nature of an eating disorder that makes you feel like so alone, you know? Totally, totally. And oh. she talks about that loneliness, mm-hmm. you know? She does. Well, before we get to that, like, you know, after you read it, what was your general impression about what this person is experiencing? Um, well, my, I, you know, just the first thing off the bat was, well, I mean, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with her loneliness. I, I just feel like she is waiting for us to say, yes, go see a dietitian. You know, Mm -hmm. I just feel like she's so alone and going through this, you know, she sounds like she has a great therapist, but, um, I got, I get the sense that she still has a lot of questions. She has a lot of insight as to like what her triggers are and where, what her journeys look like. But, you know, I just, she has a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like insight and awareness is so important. It's vital yet it can only take you so far. Like it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not going to go to that part where it's like therapeutic and making changes. And that's why we have a team. Um, and I agree. Like, yeah, it's almost like, can, can you just, can you just tell me I need to see a dietitian? <laughs> but I, I also appreciate how hard that is because there are a lot of our colleagues that are not necessarily warm and fuzzy um, and aren't necessarily open to working with people in large bodies in a way that's compassionate. So, you know, I could appreciate her being some, some guarded nature with that, you know? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And well, so, you know, taking in what, what she's experiencing, what do you feel like are some first steps that you'd recommend to her? Yeah. I mean, the first step, I'm a dietitian, obviously. So, I mean, there's a ton here that she could talk about with her therapist, right? Um, but from a dietitian's perspective, um, the, the, you know, one of the quotes that really stood out to me was, I still think about you all day long. And when someone says that to me, if you're thinking about food all day long, my first thought is, are you eating enough? Like, are you, you know, she says I'm, I'm binge free, I'm restriction free, but are you truly not restricting would be my first question. Um, which I don't know if she can figure out on her own. You know, that's where the dietitian comes in going in and getting a really thorough, compassionate assessment of where she's at, because, you know, I start with my clients, you know, all of my eating disorder clients, no matter what it is with, um, you know, with adequacy, that's, I, you know, I was trained by Jessica Setnick for any dietitians listening. Jessica Setnick's bootcamp is amazing. I highly recommend it. And, you know, in her sort of like list of where to start adequacy is the biggest one, you know, are you getting enough? Um, because we're animals, right? I always tell my clients, we are just animals and, you know, just like you wouldn't, keep food from your dog <laughs> for extended amount of time. And you know what happens to an animal, they scan the horizon for food that's available. Uh, my first question is, if someone is thinking about food all day long, are you actually truly eating enough? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who identify with this letter writer who are in larger bodies and, and uh, secretly binging, like this person's describing that um, they may be like, uh, of course, I'm getting enough. And but I do the same thing. I'm like, I don't care 
um, what a kind of behavior a person's experiencing. I don't also care what size they are because that's, mm-hmm. that's like a moot point to me. Yeah. Like, are you eating enough? Because yeah, totally. if, you're, if you're thinking about it all the time, that's a physiological sign. Like anybody's body's wired to obsess about food when they're not getting enough, when there's scarcity. Um, and I hope people can appreciate that it doesn't matter what you look like. That's something that you're still going to be at risk for. That's a really great point. That's a really mm-hmm. great point, mm-hmm. which I think ties in with her anxiety, right? I mean, I think it's that um, that it, it seems so simple, right? It seems so simple that like, well, if I, you know, if I just eat less, I'm going to lose weight. Or if I, if I eat more, I'm going to gain weight. And I always tell my clients that metabolism is so complex and it's so cool. It's just, it's, we're not robots. It's not that simple. Um, but I totally, you know, I, I hear her anxiety about that, about like, well, I'm in a bigger body. Of course I must be eating enough. And that's so many times not true. Mm. Oh, so many times. Yes. (laughs) Every day for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, the thing that she mentions um, in there is that she's like in secret, like um, binging and is afraid to tell her partner. And um, I don't know, what, what was your, what do you think about that? Do you have any thoughts on that part? Totally. Well, I mean, I heard a really huge fear of judgment from her partner, even though he sounds super loving. Um, You know, I I wrote down a quote of hers or I highlighted it. If I make a super tasty meal, what if I eat too much of it while my boyfriend is out and then I feel sick? You know, and my my first thought was like, okay, what if, you know, what if you have to admit to your partner that you're a normal person who overate, you know, or even that you were a really complicated person with a lot of triggers and a history of eating disorder who overate, you know, like, who cares? So what, what if, you know, like that's, that might be part of the journey. And I also wonder, you know, how much of, you know, we hear this a lot in anorexia, people afraid to let go of their eating disorder. I wonder if there's a little fear of letting go of her eating disorder, that there is still that idea that those diet rules, um, or hiding, you know, hiding her true manner of eating is is somehow serving her when I I don't really think that it is. Mm, I think that's such a uh, that's very insightful. It's something I wasn't even pondering, but I think you may have hit something on the head there. Mm. <laughs> I think that's really important. Mm. Um, so should she tell him? Yeah. I mean, I am not a therapist, right? I don't, yeah. I don't know the whole story. I don't know their whole relationship. I don't know if there's trauma there. You know, I don't know the whole story, but I mean, I, yeah, I think so. My, mm. my, my mantra with my clients is honesty is the antithesis of eating disorder behavior. Mm-hmm. I always know? say that relationships are what heals eating disorders, you know, so like yes. the more, so I feel like we're on this parallel. Yeah. Because I feel like the more we can connect with other people and, and be honest about what they're experiencing, it like breaks the eating disorders back. You know, totally. it doesn't but like you, that. Yeah. Well, and you know that you hit a key point there. You said the word honesty, like you know, she might have to set some ground rules about like diet talk and fat talk in her, in her house, you know, or around her, or at least let him know how it makes her feel Mm -hmm. when he talks negatively about food or about other bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, and if she doesn't know how she feels, then, you know, Google list of emotions and figure out like how it makes you feel. Does it make you feel inadequate? Does it make you feel sad or anxious or trapped? You know, like getting down with like how that makes you feel and then honestly communicating it can be really revolutionary. Well, and I wonder how much the binging is the messenger for that. You know, Mm. I wonder if that has a connection to, you know, her body's trying to tell her that 
there's something, a, a feel, a feeling that's trying to direct her to like a direction, you know, or trying to lead her somewhere to inform her basically. And, um, but by really focusing on the, the behavior of the binging, I wonder if it's distracting her from really the, the meat of what, you know, she needs, you know, totally. the, you know, the other thing I was thinking about too, I'm like, what a beautiful thing it would be to bring, um, her partner to her therapist to have a session together to talk about this. Like that's a really normal thing in my office. And then uh, people I work with within their therapists, you know, to whenever there's body talk that can feel really uncomfortable and also like counterproductive for her healing journey to, you know, have a conversation together with their team member so they can really then just be all on the same page. Cause you know what, this guy, he seems like pretty loving, you know, he may very well <laughs> be like, Oh, 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 I get it. Like, okay. Like I want to support you, you know, and totally. he may just need some tools. And, and I don't know about you, but I find that people who are partners to people that I work with, they need the tools and they need them a couple times. It's not just like one conversation fixes it. It's mm. a kind of a continuous process because we do live in this world that is going to sound more like how the boyfriend is sounding. And so he's going to need some time to help like reshape his thoughts and, and to, to be supportive. And, um, and, you know, we're not even touching into his own experiences, you know, just really thinking about hers. Um, so it takes time too. And, you know, he may very well really entertain that idea of, going together and, and finding the best way to support her. Absolutely. Well, and I, I think that is totally, I'm such a, such a fan of couples therapy for my eating disorder clients and really frankly for anyone in a relationship. Mm. Um, and, and it would be a good place. You know, I think she has these fears that he sees her one way. Like I remember she said something about like, I want him to see me as like healthy and curvy instead of like lazy and out of control, which is how I feel, which obviously points to her own internalized fat stigma, right? I mean, she, she really still is, is, I mean, that's sort of what we hear about, um, weight biased practitioners, you know, and weight biased folks in this world, they think that like fat people are like lazy and out of control. And she still sort of sees herself that way. And being in a therapeutic environment with him would not only help her be vulnerable about that and check that out with him to see if that's actually a thing. And also I always tell my clients, like you were not born with these problems. You were not born with shame about your body. You were not born with rules about eating. I mean, you, you were born with an instinctual guide to the breast, you know, mm -hmm. but the rules that, that all of that is so learned. That is not you. That is, you know, that I can, I could write out a list of all of her triggers to her disordered eating from, you know, that first time that that first piece about having there be lack of representation of all bodies in the entertainment industry and she being told she was too big all the way down to now her partner travels to work for work and she trigger and that, that triggers abandonment and she you know she overeats you know that would therapy would be a great place to like sort of lay all that out for yeah. him very clearly too like look this is the path I've been on and like this is just where I'm at yeah, like somebody needs to help her connect the dots and see, like, that's why, like, even though she's done all this work, why the internalization of fat phobia is still there. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's a hard thing to dislodge, you know, it's so deep in there. So yeah, she may need someone to help her connect the dots a little bit more and, and bring it to her awareness. And um, and that's why I feel like having a partner that really is on the same page or at least aware <laughs> of what's going on and, and the best way to help, that'll help her then to move to the next place. And because it does seem like 
from reading it, like she really um, has done a lot to foster her healing relationship with food and, and her body. And she wants to do more. I think she can, you know, and I think it'll be amazing. Like the, the next, the next steps could be absolutely like important. And, um, uh, I think she'll experience more freedom after this, this kind of space that she's in right now, you know, the next step could be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I have, I'm thinking I have a few clients who come back to me, you know, like once a year and they're like, Hey, I just came back, you know, like I just want to check in health at every size is still a thing. Right. And like <laughs> intuitive eating is still a thing. Right. And I'm like, yep, totally. You know, you're still rocking it out. And they're like, okay, just needed to check in, you know, <laughs> I feel like it's smart. Anybody who's uh, listening, who's recovering from an eating disorder or um, been at diet rock bottom and, and worked through a lot of the steps, I think it's good for a couple of times a year just to check in with the team members, even if you're in a good place because of that, just to like, like, okay, I just want to make sure that like everything in my head is what <laughs> it needs to be because our world is not going to be supportive of that recovery for the most part. Um, and it's good to connect with other people who are really using the same kind of paradigm. Um, and I'm wondering, um, Tony, if you have any resources that you'd recommend to this listener, um, if you're new to the podcast, we have something called the Food Peace Syllabus, which is a collection of books and podcasts and blog posts and anything under the sun that can further help cultivate um, a relationship with food that feels more peaceful and then a positive body image. So do you have anything that you'd like to add to that? Yes, I do. I'm definitely going to recommend Feminism is for Everybody by Bell Hooks. Um, it's, it's my, it's one of my Bibles. You know, I, I, I've read it over and over and over. It's short, it's easy, easy to read. And what I really love about it is, is she really gives really clear definitions about for feminism. And she specifically with, for this letter writer, um, the reason why it came to mind is I know Belle has these chapters on sisterhood and on beauty and on love that I think would be really helpful. Um, especially in regards to the sort of like mutual growth that I think could happen for this letter writer in her partnership. Um, so yeah, feminism is, is for everybody is definitely my addition. Awesome. I've never read it. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. So totally. wh why is feminism for everybody? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good question. So basically, you know, people think of feminism as equality for everyone. And, and it is, it totally is. But she sort of takes it a step further and defines it as the movement to end sexism, right? It's the, it's the movement to end sexism and sexist exploitation and oppression and all of that. And so that it's not just for women, right? It's for, it's for men. It's for, it's for trans folks. It's for black folks. It's for every color. It's for literally everyone. It's, it's the end of sexism. Um, and that, that, that really helps all of us. It's not just for women and sex ending sexism is good for, it's good for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, it reminds me of uh, ending weight stigma. I feel like helps everyone too. Totally. And, um, that will be a really interesting read. I, I'm going to look into getting that. I may go on my Amazon prime right now and get that yeah. and start it. I may have to, um, give you a little book report and check in with you about it. Cause I love talking about this, those types of books. So thank you. We'll put that on the, the food piece syllabus. And I am really grateful for your insight. You have provided a lot of interesting type of next steps for this um, letter writer. So I really appreciate it, Tony. Oh, thank you. Yes. And I wonder if someone would like to find out more about you and your work, is there a good way for them to find you? 
Sure. Yeah. So I am a dietitian in private practice in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Um, and folks can go on the website. It's called Lutz and Alexander Nutrition Therapy. So it's um, www.lutzandalexander.com. That's O-U-T-Z. Uh, you can find me personally on my social media. So I'm at Feminist Nutritionist on Instagram. And then I'm at Feminist RD, like registered dietitian on Twitter. Awesome. We will put that in the show notes for anyone listening who wants to check out your work. I follow you on Instagram. I love your Instagram feed. So um, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. And it was so great to connect and hopefully we can connect in person real soon. I would love that. Take care. Thanks. Bye, Julie. So there you have it. In Love and and Triggered, I hope you gathered some nuggets for you that are going to help you as you move along on your food peace journey. And I also hope that you gathered from listening to Tony and I discuss some of the things you brought up that we really want you to make an appointment for a dietitian. And we also think it's a great idea from what we know to also let your partner know about it too. By doing this, I know that being honest and refusing the pull of isolation that the eating disorder demands, I know that moving forward with keeping things open and honest breaks the eating disorders back. And I hate that eating disorder. So I really encourage you to make the call and let them know that you're struggling. Food has written back. I'm really excited to hear what food has to say. But before we get to that, I want you to keep in touch. Let us know how things are going. Keep us posted. And also a thank you to this episode sponsored the Pursuing Private Practice Masterclass from Jennifer McGurk. Thank you so much for the support of Love Food. And let's go ahead and hear what food has to say. Take care. Dear in love and triggered. This bumpy road we've been on has had many twists and turns, yet you've persevered. You're so very brave. As your journey to food peace continues, It's time to examine what you're carrying. Your heavy cloak of shame is unnecessary and is keeping you from truly connecting to your partner. You don't have to travel alone. Consider adding a guide who can help you with your food behaviors and help you stay connected with your partner. With these helping hands, you can remove the shame and see your free self for the very first time. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.